check one, check two. This is it. Welcome to the Cannabis Coffee Hour. With your host, me, Rob Cantrell. I got a special guest right here. My good friend, comedian, psychic, astronomer, uh, actor, uh, sketch artist, musician. Please give it up for Mike Kaplan. Wow. Thank you, Rob. That was a wonderful intro. Uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here with everyone watching, slash, listening, tasting, smelling, touching, however you're taking this in, uh, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And I feel like, if anything, you're psychic, because I just did a podcast two days ago with a, a psychic woman who, uh, she told me, she says that she believes everyone is psychic. And, you know, there's some spectrum of it, that it's a muscle that can be practiced. And I think, like, regardless, I don't know if I've worked that muscle myself uh, actively, but I think of comedy that way. Like, I think that there's some people that are like, I'm not funny, and I think that that's funny. And <laughs> if anyone is ever like, I'm not funny, like, I'm not gonna argue with you. I listen to people when they tell me who they are. And also, I think everyone is at least one step away from being funny. Like, cause you know, when I started out doing comedy, uh, I would say that I was certainly closer to the less funny end of the spectrum. <laughs> and, but I, I remember I would develop a skill at open mics uh, that has served me to this day, perhaps in life as well, that, like, so I had some jokes that worked, and then if you have a joke that doesn't work, at least once you can be like, oh, wasn't that, isn't it funny that I thought that that would work, you know? <laughs> that you can get a laugh out of the, the expectation, because the expectation, comedy, the expectation is that it will be funny, in a surprising way. That's the job of comedian is to be reliably surprising. Well, in the biz, they call that line a saver. A saver, a hundred, and, but here's And I have, <laughs> sa I'm not a hater on the saver. No, I'm a master hater. of the saver. <laughs> I can, uh, I got a few up my sleeve at all times. I, I feel the same. I feel like, you know, I've done, uh, over the course of two decades, Plus in comedy, yep. I have released a, a, a high single-digit number of comedy albums that are about an hour each, and in in I probably every one of them, wow. there's at least one line that's like I'm proactive about uh, including like a joke about how if a joke doesn't work, at least there's this to you know to, to blossom, you know the way that uh, mushrooms grow out of crap, you know? <laughs> like, oh, look at that. But we, we all want these, like, flowers and plants and everything grows out of fertilizer. So everything, you know, uh, at some point started from dirt, from dust, from poop, you know? And, but from that, beautiful, colorful, uh, joyful art flowers grow. And so I think that uh, the way that I understand it, I'm a comedian, this lady is a psychic, and she's like, I think everyone's on the spectrum of psychicness. And I'm like, I think similarly, everyone's on the, the same spectrum of uh, of comedicness, but just everyone isn't everyone isn't working it the same. Yes. Uh, and and making money from comedy is hard. <laughs> oh yeah, that's uh, the money making spectrum. And <laughs> making money from being a psychic is even harder. <laughs> yeah, I I do like. I mean, you always 
uh, here, I feel like the jokes about psychics are like, let's say somebody like leaves without paying, like should have seen that coming. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, it's, I mean, make money is such a, what a, what a weird, you know, like what a a fortunate uh, state of the world that we find ourselves in right now to be in a park on a Friday afternoon uh, with a friend talking, philosophizing, being like, what, what is money? (laughs) What is comedy? What is it to be psychic? You know? Uh, but uh, that's so, yeah. what we're doing. Very, very grateful to have this opportunity. Thank oh, you. I'm grateful to see you and uh, be a- outside. Yes, Mike said we're, we are in an undisclosed park in Brooklyn, <laughs> uh, outside, and there's a bird full of trees. And we're also there's a picnic table full of uh, high school hooligans, so we might have to make a run for it any minute. Oh yeah, high schooligans. <laughs> if you ha- if you have to make a run for it, you don't even have time to say the whole high school hooligans. No. Love a good portmanteau. Yeah. Hooligans you could put on anything. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Tom, Tom Fooligans. <laughs> Love it. Uh, now, Mike, you have a album coming out. Yes. And you, like you said, you are, I know Mike for years, and he's a great stand-up comic, hilarious, and also a nice, good guy, artistic. I thank you. Uh, and a nonconformist. Uh, but not to the annoying degree. (laughs) (laughs) I do my best. Yeah, you do your best. But you do spell his name M, which is the first thing you learn about Mike. At least if you do stand-up comedy, that he spells his name M-Y-Q. It's so. I I spell, I I also spell it the regular way, as people wish. I'm fine with any, any alphabetical renderings. Uh, do you know, I forget if we, we might have talked about this last time, but I chose that spelling uh, when I was a teenager, inspired by Prince, who at that time, like I was like you know early mid '90s, uh, in my infor you know sort of uh, what is it not informative the formative years the for- the brain yeah. you know it's forming m- yeah molding melding yeah. shaping music I, yeah. yeah vibes and I was like that guy you know I didn't know why we didn't I think Prince wasn't legally allowed to say why he was changing his name to a symbol because it was about like a legal dispute with his record label I believe where they wouldn't allow him to put out stuff on his own as Prince so he's like well then I don't have to be Prince I can be a symbol that doesn't even exist that can't be pronounced that isn't on any keyboards and but he was just like oh he did that and I was like wow I was so I was impressionable he, impre- he was impressive and he impressed upon me this uh, pressing matter that uh, I was like, wow, maybe I'll do that. Because I was at a point in my life that was, uh, I just started at a new school mm. and uh, I hadn't ever had to meet people before, you know. You know new beginnings, yeah. new uh, old endings, <laughs> new beginnings. Yeah. And, and so it felt like school was hard and uh, summer camp was easy. Summer camp was the place for, like, it felt like all of the misfits, all of the artsy weirdos, all the outcasts in the black and white school year to come together in like a rainbow like your hat summertime. Yep, you yep. Know, in months. nature, like we are right now. Exactly. And so I was there sort of learning that there were compassionate 
uh, people my age, and you know, like a lot of teenagers are just scared. I learned this. Maybe I, I, I share this. A lot of adults are just scared. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. A lot of people. There's a lot, a lot of fear. <laughs> there's just a lot of fear out there in general. But oh, yes, yeah. especially uh, youth is a very because uh, you just don't know. Yeah, and I I read about a study once that said uh, the teenage years, in particular, teenagers are more likely than adults to mistake an uh, a fearful face for an angry one. So, if you're in high school and you look at other people who have fearful faces, you might get scared because you think their fearful face is an angry face and they might think the same as you. It's kind of like a weird prisoner's dilemma where everyone is afraid that everyone is angry. And maybe some people are angry and maybe some people aren't any of these things. Maybe some people are wide open, generous, loving Buddhas even in high school. But for me, I was, I was, I kept to myself, I was afraid. But at, at summer camp, people drew me out, and it was uh, a wonderful experience. Uh, and I feel like comedy is like the same kind of thing. Like comedy is where the 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 nonconformist doesn't conform. Do you know? Are you are you with? Uh, do you like Brene Brown? Are you. Uh, Brene? I've heard of oh, her, right? I think, I think you'd love her. She's yeah, a, yeah, a shame researcher slash like motivation storyteller storyteller yeah, yeah, yeah. she got amazing her TED talks might be like the most watched yeah 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 she's got a Netflix special totally and, and the relevant I think I know yeah. exactly who you're talking about but yeah it's it's very prolific and almost like yeah almost spiritual oh yeah so and but also like database like empirical like valuable information about how it's good to like you know shed the armor uh, or like come out of our shells to you know connect and commune with other people she specifically uh, compares this dichotomy of fitting in versus belonging. Like when you're a kid, you might try to fit in. As an adult, you might try to fit in. But fitting in is trying to shape yourself like to match other people. Belonging is when you are your shape and you find where that shape belongs. And so comedians find that shape with other comedians. And, you know, at this summer camp, I found uh, these other kids, and so I started to come out of my shell and blossom like a turtle flower of some kind. And that's <laughs> when and where I saw Prince do his thing, and I was like, that guy's a funny, weird, he's doing a cool, weird thing. I'm going to do a cool, weird thing. I didn't even go as far as him. I still stuck with the alphabet. You can still type my name yeah. on a standard keyboard. But that was when I was like, yeah, I'm going to be just like that. No, that fun weirdo. And then he changed his back later when he was legally allowed to. I was like, oh, I guess uh, guess I'm just, I'm here now. <laughs> no, I mean, names, I mean, they say in, in, in Buddha philosophy or uh, Zen philosophy, like the naming is beginning of the suffering. Like, mm. So when you let go of the names, and I think that's what the whole symbol thing, you know, because he was marketed in, uh, you know, his whole namesake is yeah. like, and they're making millions and millions of dollars just oh, off yeah. of his name that oh, he yeah. even created. Of course, because that's what people, people who only read the headlines, which is so much of us so many of the times, like his the, the people who want to make the money are like, Prince has sold something. So how about Prince 2, Prince 3, Prince 4? Just keep princing it up. And he's like, why can't I just, uh, can I do any? And they're like, no. Like, because they, because they're afraid. They're afraid. Yeah, they're afraid. They want, to, they want the big hit again. But the thing is, yeah, the big hit comes from, yeah, the person really just working hard and everything coming together. And, it, you know, it's, it is that lightning in the bottle, no matter how much genius you are. Oh yeah, uh, you know, 
purple, there's only one purple rain, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And I love the thing that you said about, uh, like, the name being the beginning of suffering, like, the beginning of separation. That, like, yeah. I mean, on, like, the, the micro level, which maybe, you know, sort of mimics the macro level, like, just as a baby, we, we don't know, we, like, you come into the world, you, you're literally a part of your mother, you're part of the mother's body, uh, or the father's body, if it is a, a transgender situation. You're part of the pa- a parent's body. You yes. come, you're in, you're in a body, you're of the body, and then you come out of it, and then, but still, you're, even when you're out of it, you don't, you don't regulate your own emotions, you don't, you don't do anything on your own, you can't feed yourself, you can't talk, you can't survive, like, but you're just in this, you know, liminal space in between being this other person and then being, quote unquote, your own person, uh, and that, that separation, you know, you come into the world, you cry, but yeah, like, at first, you're just, as opposed to just in the, the safety of the womb, perhaps, like, before the big bang you know yeah metaphorically you're just like oh yeah just like god universe chilling and then you're like well i want to hang out with someone but there is no someone so i guess i gotta split into someone's and now now there's separateness hopefully to be able to find find ourselves in others and then you know meld back together yeah yeah i think it's uh beginning from the one and then you're always connected like, that's the thing about mental concepts is, like, the brain is there, it's naming all these things, and it's saying, this is a tree, this is a body, this is this, this is this. But in nature, it's always happening. Oh, and yeah. you've always been connected, like, the you know, the woman to the uh, earth, to the earth, to the sun, to the moon, uh, oh, to, yeah. the, to the Scorpio, to the Capricorn, <laughs> to the disco floor, you oh, know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, you, I love uh, that you brought up the Scorpio because I like. Do you know the story of the? Uh, I think it's the Scorpion and the Frog. I've uh, heard of it. Yeah, it's. I, I think you'll be familiar with it, uh, if not literally, at least vibe-wise. Uh, the story is like there's a, a frog and a scorpion, and the scorpion's like, "Hey, frog, can you give me a ride across the river?" And the frog's like, "No, you would sting me and kill me." And the scorpion's like, but then we would both drown. What kind of fool would I be to sting you? So clearly, uh, you'll be safe as you uh, ride me across. And so the frog's like, well, that does make logical sense. And the frog then uh, lets the scorpion on his back. They start heading across the river. The scorpion stings him. And just before they drown together, the frog's like, why did you do this? And the scorpion's like, it is my nature. (laughs) And... I like thinking of that with respect to every once in a while. It hasn't happened specifically yet in this podcast. It may, but every once in a while, my nature is to make uh, a kind of uh, joke that other people might not make, might not want, might not see. So I consider myself a kind of a wordplay scorpion. So I want (laughs) to alert you to that right off. This is true. This is true. Lots of jokes coming out of my (laughs) Catholic. But uh, yeah, that that is wild. Uh, and a great, a great, great fable. All those fables are great. Oh, classic. Uh, yeah. Also, here's a, can I, do you mind if I, if you, if I take your hand for a moment and, uh, just, so am I, am I touching you? Mm, no. You say no, but look at this. That's true. The answer, uh, for people who are just listening, I was holding Rob's wrist with my left hand while pointing at it from the top with my right finger, not touching him with the right, but touching uh, from the bottom, and I feel like that is the way that we are all connected, like, in a way, like, we come, yeah, so I've done these, I think we've talked about ayahuasca ceremonies, where a buddy of mine who A lot of people are doing those. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We're all one, so we're all doing them. Yeah. And... It's uh, all happening. My 
buddy uh, described what he saw, you know, in as far as, again, like, the name is not, you know, you can say tree, but if you don't, if you're not looking at it, like, tree is a tree. The word yeah. tree is not a tree. Yeah. So this word won't do, but he was like, I saw, like, the tapestry of the universe that he called, like, the pattern. The pattern of, like, all consciousness, all energy, all matter that we all come from and return to, that we're all part of right now. And the idea is that we, like, it, before we were born, before these incarnations, like, our energy, our matter was somewhere, something, doing stuff, as part of the framework. And then we bulge out into these consciousnesses right now. And now we're up here, we're like, wow. And it doesn't, we don't always feel connected, but then we find each other up here through friendship, through comedy, through art, through music, through whatever it is, uh, through science, through psychedelics. But then it helps realize that deep down, like, we're still, we're, you know, we're all part of it. We're all... We're all universe stuff, and, like, there's no way. Like, the same way that I was, I was, like, the universe is holding our hand the whole time, and even if it seems like part of it is separate, that seeming is an illusion. Yes, and that it is all one, and that uh, it can't be named, and it can't, it's like, yeah, it's like beyond even. And oh, yeah. so that's what's nice about letting go and just, like, being the observer and like in the moment and that's oh, why yeah. people are getting really into the moment these days. <laughs> <laughs> the moment is really having a moment these days. This is true. This is true. Um, yeah, I, I just finished uh, two books at the same time that are connected. Uh, are yeah, you... how many books are you doing a year right now? Do you read? Because yeah, I'm thinking about my brain a lot. Uh, that's, that's pretty pretty circular. Yeah. yeah. What, what kind? What organ are you using to think about your brain? Uh, my, my brain. Totally. Uh, but yeah, I, I am meditating more, uh, just specifically for that. Sweet. Well, I'll yeah. tell you. Uh, I don't remember. But I want to read more. Oh. Absolutely. And I do read, yeah. but in like one book a month now, probably. That's cool. Well, I'll tell you one book that I'm reading this whole year, ten pages a day. My, it was, I don't usually make New Year's resolutions, but I was like, I'd like to do this. My girlfriend has read it. It's uh, Proust's In Search of Lost Time. It is, you know, a classic. And yes. it is like seven volumes that are that total about 3,500 pages. So I am now in the second volume, a couple hundred pages in. So I think, I, you know, I've read at least... This is theology, right? Uh, oh, it's fiction. It's fiction, but it's also philosophy and everything. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's this man's... Uh, at least a fictionalized version of this man's inner monologue, hmm. like from childhood to like, you know, streams of consciousness, like just sort of diverting into tangents and like eventually returning back to the experience that sprouted it. It's very, I don't know why I like it. It's resonant. When did it come? When was he alive? Uh, this, I believe it came out starting in the early 1900s, like maybe 19 teens. Yes. So like it's, it's old, but there's like electricity. Uh, but barely, beginning of yeah. cars, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's one book. But the the books, that and I they have a lot yeah. more time to think back then. That's the thing about uh, <laughs> they, they didn't have to post so, so many TikToks. No, there's no TikTok. There's no nothing. So the really smart guys are almost too smart, uh, and they uh, and they definitely put out a lot of work. And the thing about theology is every one of them has their own vibe where like in educational purposes, especially like in the eighties and seventies, everything's like sectioned off. But as we like move into the future, it's like everybody's got their different thing. And it doesn't mean one's right or one's wrong or they're both wrong or they're both right, you know? Oh yeah, I, I think that often it's, uh, you know, many fingers pointing at the same moon or many paths up the same mountain. 
uh, or many uh, analogies for the same points that I'm making. <laughs> That's fun. Uh, and so someone that I've really been getting into, I, two things. Yeah. One, uh, Rumi, the Sufi mystic poet, yes. I like, because I feel like the take that you just had is like Rumi puts it like we're all like these different shaped instruments, different shaped like flutes that the music of the universe, the wind of the universe blows through us. And so the same wind, the same everything, the same energy comes out sounding different uh, because, you know, if you have a different shape, a different timbre, a different uh, structure, then that's what happens. But it is, you know, it's I've been all... thinking about karma a lot. I've been listening. Totally. Yeah. Uh, and how your karma like creates your, your kind of your whole like thing, thing going forward or you don't think of it going forward but kind of like some type of weird bridge. Yeah, it's my understanding from uh, my friend Gus who is a practicing Buddhist told me that his understanding from Buddhism of karma is slightly different than like the, the classic, you know, sort of caricature that we see of it, you know, that involves perhaps, you know, revenge or retribution or you get what you deserve Whereas uh, my understanding is that karma, the root of the word etymologically, really just means like you're doing. Mm -hmm. So that like... Your energy, more or less. Yeah. And yes. even like say like gravity, like gravity doesn't do things that people and things deserve. It's just like if I throw this book in the air, then it'll come down. It doesn't deserve to come down. It just does it because of gravity. And so similarly, like... If you do a, if you say a kind thing to a person, like Rob, you're a you're a kind-hearted, creative, funny person. Like that makes me feel good. Yeah, and you. if I were to say something mean to a person, like that doesn't feel good to them. It doesn't feel good to me. It's not like oh, in the future necessarily something bad will happen to me exactly because of that. But I, have you heard this? I like that they say we're not punished for our anger. We're punished by our anger like just by yeah. doing it when you're like you're going to hell like in that moment it sounds like a person who's saying you're going to hell is kind of in hell they're imagining hell they're envisioning hell they're in a kind of hell and so two of the books i'm reading right now uh, that i just finished one is the Tao Te Ching, uh you know the taoist text by Lao Tzu, i believe that yeah, man. translated by stephen mitchell uh, and Stephen Mitchell is married to a woman named Byron Katie. Do you know her? Mm -hmm. Byron Katie. No, I, oh. I've heard of a Stephen Mitchell, but I know that I listen to it on on loop at night mm. at Dowdy Ching, and I, that's what I. Uh, yeah, Lao Tzu. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, you get something different from it each time. It's weird. Totally. And so, like, I mean, the reason I thought of it specifically now is I just finished it, and like, that's the one of the I think maybe the first th one of the first chapters in the Taoism. Uh, oeuvre is like the Tao that can the Tao that can be named is not the yeah, eternal Tao. No, yeah. Like once you're saying it, that's not it. It's the yeah. ineffable, the mystery, the the thing that like you know you can't observe yourself out of everything and also be the ego that exists here. But uh, yeah, his wife Byron Katie, she is this wonderful spiritual teacher or just a human who <laughs> has written a bunch, about a bunch of books. Her first one that I read was called Loving What Is. This one was called a thousand names for joy and I think I've heard of that yeah, one yeah she's basically just like into for herself like uh, helping like one day she just woke up in her 40s and uh, if, if we are to take her at her word which I am happy to do like people are like oh so are you enlightened or what does that mean to you and she's like I guess I just now understand what causes suffering and what doesn't which is like you know potentially aligned with uh, the same, like the Four Noble Truths of Buddhism. And for her, the thing that causes suffering is believing 
a thought, believing a story that we have about our lives or another person's motivations or anything that we can't know is true. And she offers questions like, is it true? Can you know it's true? Like, who, uh, what is, like, who are you, who would you be if you didn't have that thought? Uh, and it's like, you know, it doesn't help, like, it, it, I feel like all of these things, meditation and, like, wise teachings, like, they're, they're nice guides to, like, you know, because I still, I go on social media, I read the news, I live in the human world, and I'm not always uh, mellow, I'm not always, I'm not always remembering, but it's always nice to have... Oh know. yeah, I pop off, it's a hard <laughs> life, it's a, it, no, it is a hard life, you know, so you gotta, especially through the pandemic, you gotta give yourself a pat on the back just being here, and all these things kind of point to just being here, and being yourself, and like, it, uh, you know... Uh, it's more like it, it's more of like a practice. Like that's how I get through meditation. Like today I did 20 minutes, but I was all over the map because mm-hmm. um, I smoked a little bit. <laughs> but I was all over the map, and and I usually go Alexa, put on 20 minutes, and then like I asked her how much longer, <laughs> and uh, it was eight minutes. I was like ah, oh. but then I knuckled down and I did it because uh, it's just practicing. You know, practicing. What I like about it is like nothing, you know, practicing nothing. And that's when the good shit really comes out. Being a creative person, as you know, is, is you've written so many jokes. Uh, I think meditation with the creative process, I'm really kind of excited to kind of like try to go for it. Have you ever like meditated and then had your joke notebook open like oh, right totally. afterwards? Yeah. like? and something may have arisen or something? Yeah, usually right at, after I meditate, I usually I try to meditate first thing, and the things that I do after that include just like free writing, like, or typing. Uh, I use this website, uh, 750words.com, so I just, 750 words, uh, at least, sometimes I go further, sometimes it's just great. Every day you do that? Every day, yeah. And that, is that a journal, is that more, that's more you put underneath comedy writing, like workout session? Uh, I would say it is, a, it is, it depends. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So, I, that, I would say I do that with journaling as well, like, it's not a joke notebook, and it's not really a journal. It's more like whatever you're feeling in the moment type vibe. Totally, yeah. And I often, if I don't know what to start with, I'll just start with gratitude for you know the people in my life, the parts which is of the my best. Body. Yes. And here's a here's an analogy. I was listening to Alan Watts recently, who I love. Yeah. Shout out to Alan. Yeah. But yeah. You should check out, listen to Alan's podcast. You know, <laughs> yeah. His son does, I think. Yeah. Uh, He's still out there in yeah, San Francisco. Totally. So Alan Watts was talking about how uh, I think some Zen masters will respond to questions like if you ask them a question about the profound they'll answer about the ordinary and if you ask them a question about the ordinary they'll tell you something about the profound and I feel like that is the same way like I feel that structure that there's a parallel inverse relationship to when I if I sit down and start to write and I'm like I'm gonna write a joke then a joke doesn't come. No. If I sit down and start just writing whatever comes, then a joke might come. Yeah. Or you start, do you ever just get the itch for you got to write? Like, or usually when I jump out of the shower. Sure. And there's like, I'm like, and then I must have been talking to myself in my brain. Uh, And that's what's cool about uh, meditating, that I'm learning about consciousness and learning like, okay, that talking in your brain, you're just creating 
They're none of these. That's why I think like, yeah, none of these are real. They're <laughs> just creating. And that's what's kind of tricky about uh, mental health with comedians because we are in our head. Like that's how we get the work done. And that's how we create the jokes. There is like, uh, they kind of go hand in hand a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree. And also, I think probably for non-comedians as well, though with comedians, we get to see the output. We get to see the process. We're like, you know, uh, a plumber in the Midwest, we don't get to hear uh, the results of that person's, you know, meditation or shower thoughts because uh, unless they have a podcast, you know. But uh, for a comedian, But if you hear that flush, <laughs> when that toilet, when that toilet, oh, I fixed my toilet recently and I felt so proud of myself. <laughs> Uh, well, I didn't fix it. I got, I put a new toilet seat on, That's but, good. I, but I did that and, uh, I felt very proud, but, yeah. uh, yeah, being a plumber wouldn't be that bad of a gig. No, no. If you're I, good at it. Yeah. I think, I think anything, I mean, whatever, yeah. whatever you're doing, I hope you're enjoying it. And yeah. If you're not, I hope that you get to do things that you enjoy, uh, in the, the crevices in between the thing that you're enjoying less. Uh, because like we said, uh, of course, as is so, uh, in a capitalistic society, sometimes you need to uh, do things. You so got to do you, shit. You, you can't can do. Yeah. <laughs> Capitalism, like you got to do shit. And I used to bum out about it. Mm -hmm. And I still kind of, of course, we all bum. I wish there was a better health care system. And that's what the, kind of this shit oh, yeah. that I worry about. But uh, lately, it's like your adversities is what makes you who you are. And I do know the more I've gone on fatback time, <laughs> the more I've just like slothed out, which I love slothing. There is a dark side to that. Mm -hmm. And especially as you get older, be, just being in your head, whereas working, it just, we shouldn't work that hard, but cleaning and staying busy is good for you. And solving problems is good for you because you have to go through that to get through some other shit up in the clouds somewhere that you might have to head to. Oh yeah, you know, uh, kind of related to what you're saying and on the Byron Katie tip, like, it's basically like, whatever you think, like if you think you should do something, like, you know, and it seems like it's a good thing to do and it's gonna be either good for you, or good for, like then do it. Like for me, I, I'll wake up in the morning, usually before my girlfriend, usually there'll be dishes in the sink from the night before and I used to not do them right away. And like, maybe I'm like, maybe my girlfriend will do them later, you know? And it's not like, we don't have a specific guideline of like, you have to do it or I have to do it. Like just, we both want the dishes to be done at some point. And, which, and if one of us is like, I'm having a really like busy day or stressful day, or like if one of us said, would you mind doing the dishes? Then the other one would absolutely do them. But more, so I don't always do this, but very frequently in the morning now, I'll wake up, I'll do my meditation, and then like b before like even brushing my teeth and doing bathroom things, I'll just, while listening to like Alan Watts or some other like meditative, spiritual, uh, fun stuff, uh, I will do the dishes and that'll be like another 20 minutes of medit- and it's like its oh. own meditation Yes. that I think gets me even more out of, if I'm just sitting or lying down and meditating, then my mind will like go all kinds of places and I'll be like, wait, what is even, what am I, what am I doing here? Which is all part of it also and is fine. But if I'm just doing the dishes, I'm like, yeah, doing the dishes. Dishes, feeling the water, yeah. being in the moment, getting a little piece of egg off. I'm gonna make it really nice. I'm gonna <laughs> set it right in there. I'm gonna get it crisp. Ah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love simple tasks. So I love doing, I do housework and all that all the time. Uh, I can definitely cook and clean and uh, you 
I, you, you ache about it. You moan and ache about it. But it is, uh, there's something good to it. And something that I've been doing, not all the time, but like if I see it, I used to let it ride. Now I'm like, if I could knock it out as soon as I see it. <laughs> if you see something, clean something. Yeah, if I see something, clean something. If it's a little funky, if there's hair, that, like I'm <laughs> on it. Um, oh, yeah. The same thing with life. And uh, I... I I wanted. I got. I got back with to you in a week for this podcast. But I was running and gunning, and I had a, another guest last week. Thanks for everybody that's listening to the Cannabis Coffee Hour. But you were so nice. But I usually try to get to emails a little bit faster oh, than I did. Sure. Uh, but with this podcast, you're too cool to do it. It's all DIY, and we're out here. Oh yeah. In I, the park. I love. You know, here's a. And you're not the biggest cannabis smoker. No, I. I am a, now a cannabis eater much yes more yes than, yes i do know yeah. that yeah uh totally and i love it is yeah. good for sleep is that what you're finding I, I i definitely i do it mostly at night yeah before yeah like you know when it it puts me to sleep even the ones that are they're like this one puts you to sleep and this one doesn't i'm like the, they both <laughs> yeah at our age like you think all do uh i was bumming out you know i was like am i addicted to it i think for this podcast like I'm, i want to try to do a month i did like five days without smoking and it was cool and that's the thing about it it, it is rubbery in that sense i have, uh, I have a similar yeah because i I don't, I don't judge anyone who, like, for weed, like, weed, like, mm-hmm. if, if it feels good, then why don't, like, so many things don't feel good, it doesn't, if it doesn't hurt anybody, if you're sitting in your house, if you're talking with your friend, if you're listening to music, enjoy it, just, ha- like, absolutely, and, but then, and then for myself, I'm like, is it too much, is it, I should, should I not be doing it every day, every night, yeah. like, every once in a while, for a little while, I wouldn't always tell my girlfriend that I did it, and I was, sometimes I'd see how long it would go until, like, I'm like, I just, because I just want to be like, well, I, I could just be like me, I could just be, this is regular, like, it's not, it's just like my little secret for a minute, but then every once in a while, like, sometimes she would start, like, a serious conversation, I'd be like, oh, no, I, I'm not in the condition for this to happen, I, I have to tell her. Now I tell her, yeah. because previously, usually it wouldn't be a serious thing, but it would just be like we're watching something. With edibles, I'm, there's a little bit of a an edge to it and the thing about cannabis like when you start going into emotional areas uh it heightens everything you know so that's what i do think that maybe i have a touch of add or whatever it was that i never uh took care of like it does help me focus like let's say we're washing the dishes i love to smoke and wash the dishes or do some menial task or listen to some music or even play some music but yeah, if you're going heart to heart, or you got to talk to your grandmother, or you know, it's not the best thing to be super high. Oh yeah, like every once in a while, we'd be watching something, and I'd be like, "This mute, this song is beautiful," and my girlfriend would be like, "Are you high?" And I'm like, "How did you know?" She's like, "Cause this is a commercial with a synthesizer from the '80s." And it's, uh, I was like, "It's so beautiful, right? You are right." And the thing, the wonderful thing about music, and I, I'm sure we've talked about that. My parents were music teachers. I started playing violin when I was four. You're amazing. I am. Yeah, you can play. He can play guitar. He can play the. He has this other little ukulele. He could play violin. He would. He had a comedy, music show in Boston. Like every week, they did new songs. Oh yeah, and crazy shit. I just. I mean, I love music. I love listening to it. I love making it. And so 
I was thinking about this earlier. When, I, when I'm in the shower, when I, I remember this very specific time I was in the shower, and I feel like similarly, like the times you're trying to sit down and write jokes, they don't come. But in the shower where I can't write something down, where I yeah. don't have any electronics, like the jokes keep, you know, washing through me. Yeah, yeah, it's just me. fluid, yeah. And so I had this thought, I was like, how do I, how do I remember this? I'm like, well, if I, if I don't remember it, okay, I'll let it go. But if I can remember it, and I thought about how Sometimes you learn things in school. Did you ever learn? I learned the 50 states in alphabetical order in a song. In, oh, yeah. I, you know, I could do I could, I could do the states in alphabetical order because I learned it in second grade to a song. And I'm like, why don't we learn everything in songs? Because it really helps lock it in. And so I remembered, I don't remember the exact song, but I was like, I'm going to write a joke about how music helps you to remember things like this. And that's the, and that's why I'm sure that so many religions are like, like Judaism and Christianity and Buddhism has chants. And like, it's all these things that help you. People can remember like books worth of, of content. Like sometimes people ask, how do you remember an hour of comedy? And I'm like, well, Imagine if you had to, perf- imagine if you just had to sing 12 songs. Like, you know 12 songs. You know all the lyrics. You could sing Happy Birthday and the National Anthem. You could sing Jingle Bells, whatever your favorite songs are. You could sing a bunch of Beatles songs. Or I'm like, and then just imagine that's, that's all you're doing for an hour. You could remember, how do you remember all those lyrics? You just do. And like with comedy, like, I'm just doing an hour of my songs that I wrote that are about my life and my thoughts. So, of course, how could I not remember my own thoughts and life? <laughs> that's true. And that's and then also, like, while you're doing the dishes, like, you know, classic whistle while you work, beautiful song about how, like, of course, when you're if you're doing something that's challenging and you can, like, make music or think about something creative or move around and dance yeah music like time imprints uh space and time like uh it it catches a little bit more imprint onto your brain like uh that's how i learned all the countries of africa stetsasonic which is a great hip-hop band from brooklyn that's uh what De La Soul's producer was in the band stetsasonic but they had this song called africa and it was like uh uh, it was called uh, A F R I C A Angola, Soweto, Zimbabwe, Tanzania, Zambia, Mozambique, Botswana. So let us speak about the motherland. Oh wow! Yeah. Speak about the motherland. So that's I mean that that was from a hip hop song taught me all those countries in Africa. Beautiful. And I couldn't even bring up that data right when I was doing it. I was like, oh, if I mess this up, <laughs> I'm fucked. This, this is going to sound weird. But no, then it was there it was because there. of the, uh, the tone, you know, the tone. And uh, those are good vibes, you know. Oh, yeah. There, I've heard, I forget who it was. Oh, I think it was, uh, you know, Nick Cave, the musician. Yeah. Uh, I read, he has like, it's not necessarily advice, but he has this question and answer uh, email. You can send him a, me- a note and he'll answer some people maybe once a week or so called The Red Hand Files. And recently uh, he shared a story about getting to record with Johnny Cash, do a song with Johnny Cash. And he described, it was like towards the very end of Johnny Cash's life, like he was you know, having a difficult time getting around and 
didn't always like couldn't like see everything clearly and like you know he was like it seemed like an old man but then once he started singing it just like that dropped away and he just was Johnny Cash and like I've heard other things that there's people who are you know borderline like have you know some struggles with dementia like can't remember like what they just ate an hour ago but remember a song that they learned 50 years ago and like can sing all the lyrics perfectly like music is like deeply it's a deeply ingrained like art it's like it's ancient and beautiful and I, I think it makes sense because like we you know we feel like we're solid uh we're like we agree like yeah this is there's solid there's liquid there's gas there like we're we're like you know like you know there's a table there's a rock but we're all every one of us everything is like you know rotating spinning vi- we're all vibrating uh molecules atoms electrons protons neutrons like we're all literally vibrations like, yeah so of course music makes sense like of course, and you get to play with the vibrations that's what music yeah. is like we're all energy and when you make a creation when you create music whether it's good or bad you're pretty much just putting your hand in the die and playing with you know i think yeah. a lot of artists with that it's like you're just playing with uh, with life, and and which you, is one yeah. of the things you should be doing with life, and you, because you are life as well, it's like yeah. life playing with itself. Like it's not that we're we sometimes do feel like we're outside, like you know, looking at like a painting of life or like a movie of it. But it's like you know the thing in Buddhism they say like the same person can't step into the same river twice because like we see it with the river. Like of course the water that's here right now is not the same. Like it's over there now and it's different water here now. And we're also that we're those rivers and like the whole thing yeah. is a river. It's like going back to your old hometown and that saying, like, you can't go back home because you're like, oh, it's it's the vibe, but it's not the vibe. And it, But the thing is, you've changed and life has changed. The oh. world has changed. And right now is like it's super changing. Uh, you know, with with cannabis, you know, the laws are opening up. New York is going crazy. Uh, but at the same time, some people think it's a little much. But now psychedelics are becoming more mainstream. Yeah. yeah, very mainstream. I know you uh, are do enjoy psychedelics. I sure do. Uh, do you still take a lot of psychedelics? Are you still, like, I always had a theory, but my theories are dumb uh, <laughs> in the sense that, you know, you know, I, you know, I've been smoking pot forever, so it's like, what am I talking about? You know, so I've always been like, you can't trip too much. Like, you should only trip, like, Maybe like three times to twelve times well, a year. Here but is, some people are going crazy these oh, days. I would say I'm these days absolutely safely within that three to twelve times a year year window. Yeah, uh, once here, a quarter. Here's yeah. an analogy that I think. First, uh, I heard I Pete Holmes shared this with me that uh, like in an article uh, that he was being interviewed that I think Alan Watts said he's like when you've gotten the message you can hang up the phone. And so yeah. I definitely did uh, a larger quantity, a larger frequency of psychedelics, speaking of frequencies, uh, earlier in my like 20s and 30s, and now I'm in my 40s, and I still, I still do. Like a few times a year, uh, I'll do mushrooms, I'll do ayahuasca, but there was a time when I was doing it like once a month, for sure. And uh, what is the thing? Oh yeah, the analogy, I really like this. I never thought about it like this, but doing comedy, like, Doing comedy every night is good if you yeah. want to do that. And it's often like the way that was like the way that I heard 
Like, you know, you start out, you're like, what, Seinfeld once didn't miss a night on stage for 18 months. You know, that's how you do it. And then I heard, like, Pete Holmes talk about that, uh, to bring up Pete again, who I love. Uh, and he's like, well, maybe maybe some night I just want to stay home and watch The Dark Knight. And maybe that's how you're a comedian if you want to do that. And I'm like, yeah, of course, you do it the way you want to do it. And he's also said, and I really like, you know, and other people have made this point, but I, I feel like this is his phrasing. He's like, you want to have a life that's worth commenting on. You know, you want to, like, if you're, if you're literally, let's say you could do comedy every hour of the day, which during the lockdown phase of the pandemic, there were Zoom shows happening in every continent, in every time zone. I knew people who did a, a show every hour, like legitimately, <laughs> like woke up and like, you know, if you're in New York, do a show in Australia that's happening 15 hours different, you know, do a show, whatever, or at night and then it's morning there, whatever it is. And I was like, I did a lot of shows, but I was like, eventually I'm like, I want to have part of the day off. I want to have part of the day meditating. I want to have one day of the week off. Like, I, like, reinvented the Sabbath. I'm like, hey, did everyone know it feels good to sometimes rest? I'm like, am I, am I? Oh, I think that's dope. Yeah, the Sabbath, right, is Saturday. You don't do any technology. You don't work, and you just kind of hang around the house with the fam and, yeah. and make bread. Do whatever do whatever your version of that is. For me, it ended up being during the pandemic, uh, like, main, you know, lockdown phase. I found that I had a lot of things scheduled almost every day except for Thursday. So for whatever reason, Thursday was there. I'm just, I'm going to keep Thursday clear. And, like, if something comes up, that's fine. But, like, my guideline was don't schedule anything in advance for Thursday and just chill and be like, oh, that's good. And, you know, sometimes totally. I even would use it to, like, get through my emails because I'm like, well, they were piling up the days before. But the idea, like, imagine if you if you did only comedy then what would you be talking about in your comedy? You have to do things in life that you're going to, you have to have a life outside of comedy. There's a time and about. a place, yeah. There's a time and a place, and yet, I, I, you do have to go hard in the paint, which you guys already did, and I have already done. But then, going back to the, the Lao Tzu, there is like a Zen philosophy, and I always applied it when I started looking around to my peers and stuff. Uh, you can know, like, if you sharpen a knife long enough, it starts to become dull. Yes. So if you're doing stand-up every night <laughs> trying to get better and better and better, your act, I've been that way. Like, I think that's the balance with stand-up. Like, I definitely want to put out a special. You're just putting out an album. I put out my last audio album before the pandemic. I took the pandemic off. Like, you know, there was a billion Zoom shows. I concentrated on this podcast. Thanks for listening. Like and subscribe. Uh, write something up, all that. So I put a lot of effort into this, but uh, getting back out there and uh, just doing it, uh, there is a time to work hard. You know, there is a time to just like crank it out and uh, do it, but then there's a time to, you know, chill. Oh yeah, and I feel like to, my, to analogize this to psychedelics, I think if a person is only doing psychedelics, like I think Ramdas said, like, you know, you don't meditate to become the best meditator. Yeah, you, yeah. You meditate so that hopefully then perhaps maybe your whole life becomes a meditation. Even if you're not meditating proper, you like you have the lessons, the insights, the skills, the the calm, the poise, whatever it is that you get from meditation that you can apply later in your day, later in life. And similar I feel like psychedelics are a meditation like that. So yeah. of course it makes sense to do do psychedelics when you want to and then like 
listen, listen to what you learned and then apply that moving forward or moving inward or outward or in the present. And I remember in, in college, I used to, I kept a journal from high school. I remember in, uh, in high school, I didn't have like a ton of friends, a ton of social activity. So like I had a lot of time to write. So I wrote a lot. Uh, I was like, I was like Proust back then. Just, like, <laughs> spilling went out. inward. Yeah, I went through some of those phases. I went through a phase where I just read books and mm-hmm. I read all like the Stephen King books. And then there was phases I didn't. But yeah, you go through totally. like writing phases. That's dope. And then I got into college and I was, by, thankfully, because of my positive uh, social camp interaction experience, I was now, I felt like I could fly. I felt like I was like, oh, like I know, I now have experience in practice being friends, making friends. And so I was able to, like, I had a social life in college. And then I, I sort of mourned the loss of all the time that I had to write. I was like, I still want to write a lot. But yes. I found myself sometimes, like, having to choose between like going out and having a good time with friends and staying home. And I'm like, but I want to write about. It's good to be bored. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's good that you shouldn't be bummed about being bored or not having friends because there is a time in life where, you know, you can concentrate on just the shit that you got to get out of your soul. Yeah. And so I just, I was like, well, I'd rather, I'm like, I'm glad it doesn't have to be all or nothing. It doesn't have to be either socialize or create art or write or whatever yeah. it is it but there you know hopefully we come to uh everybody might maybe have their own equilibrium maybe some people do want to you know like if you're more on the introverted spectrum you stay at home more and you do your work and if you're a performer you go out and perform and then you go home and then for some people you, you know perhaps hanging out after or going to a party or you know socializing further maybe that will feed you further and like I mean this like this is both this is you know a friendship socialization like that I'm grateful to have I'm grateful to know you even if we weren't recording you know every once in a while I have a podcast that it doesn't record and I'm like oh I guess we just had a good time I guess we just were friends and also I think afterwards like I'll 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 look back or listen back and try to remember like some of the things that I said that I'm like oh these could be like uh, fodder for you know future jokes as well so it's like it's all you know, hopefully, uh, I'm very grateful that I get to have like the the work and the play as interconnected as possible. Yeah, yeah, we are very grateful for yeah the gig that we do. Like I do, just uh, yeah, I always just wanted my name on a flyer. <laughs> like I am before the internet. Like I just wanted to be that guy wow. that was doing some shit. Yeah. And now I've been doing some shit for like 20 years, and like I. You know, I had low goals. <laughs> that could be the, a great name for an album or a special yeah. name on a flyer. But now I got big goals. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, now I, I definitely want to produce and write films and uh, write books and uh, do comedy uh, tours, awesome. all, everything, and do podcasts. So I appreciate you being on the Cannabis Coffee Hour. Thank you. Uh, you have some, did you like the mint tea? Yes, for Merble tea. I, they had chamomile or mint. Did I pick the right one? Yeah, 100%. I mean, either one would be the right one. I love chamomile tea. That is more of a sleepy time tea. That's what uh, I thought. And yeah, the mint tea, I think, is a more daytime active tea. And you're outside amongst these beautiful trees, and that mint is like, I love that taste of mint. And you, you're like, am I hanging out in the trees? <laughs> it definitely has like an evergreen type vibe. Absolutely. 
yeah no so thank you for the tea thank you for the time thank yeah. you for uh, spreading the good word uh, of your own and of mine and what's the podcast name and tell them where it's at and sure. we'll say goodbye sure thank you the so the new album is called live in between albums uh, <laughs> i actually recorded it in between an album i recorded in 2016 and an album i released in 2020 that both of those had themes and these this album is full of jokes that didn't have themes so it's actually the theme is themelessness. The theme is, like like my summer camp, these jokes are all, they didn't fit anywhere. They didn't fit with this show or this show, but they all fit with each other. So it's just, they're, it's really silly and fun. And it was, it was only on Sirius Radio, only on satellite radio for the past couple of years. But now is the, this week, it is out now. Uh, and it is widely available anywhere that you stream or download or listen to comedy albums. It's called Live In Between Albums. And I appreciate you having me. Oh, I love it, Mike. Congratulations. And everybody check it out. Mike is a great comedian and joke writer and friend. And uh, peace and love, everybody. We're done. We're out. Thank you.